0: It's good that uh, you brought this up. That only when you had that kind of information, only then you size it yeah. into an investment position.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, people always think that I'm crazy of going into positions when it's already up hundred percent or four hundred percent or five hundred percent up. Yeah, but sometimes, um, you know, you you go in as and uh, in accordance to your thesis la. Mm. And during that time, if let's say, uh, you know, if let's say I come in uh, when Genetec. You know, uh, it's it sort of like de-risk a lot of my sort of... Precisely. Yeah, um, yeah. Assumptions. Yes. And, um, you know, not not a lot of people in Malaysia or... Uh, yeah, not a lot of companies in Malaysia can say that I have this client and that client. Correct. Right. right. And somehow we know that this particular client is... Uh, you know, they, their bottleneck is in the battery EV cells. Correct. Yeah. So, the, the TAM... Addressable market is just huge for this yeah, particular yes, company if yes. they are able to execute. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www.firl.co F-R-E-E or www.firl.co free. All right, guys, welcome back. Well, actually, welcome to our new, uh, incomplete studio. <laughs> yep. But uh, here to complete his second uh, podcast with us is
1: uh, Mr. Rondi. How are you doing, Rondi? Hey, guys. Thanks for inviting me for the second time. Yes, it is. I mean, so, so I I don't know what was so special about me, but uh, I'm I'm happy to be here again. No, this is <laughs> this is conclusive proof we are running out of guests. That's what I'm
2: saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, just uh, no, but but really, why why we actually discuss about this and why we are bringing it back and we want to bring some of our other you know, um, interesting guests back is because we want to kind of update you know people about. What you guys are thinking? Yeah, what yeah. are the stocks guys are looking at? What do you think of the general market? So, hmm. for those of you all who are like tuning in for the first time, right? If you don't know who Rondi is, we already have a podcast. Go check him out. Um, link on the right. Yeah, put it link to the right. Yeah, and that's his story. So we're not going to talk about his story today. You already, <laughs> if you you've either already heard it, uh, either through us or his platform uh, Stockbit. Uh, and if you haven't, please uh, go listen before you uh, come uh, check out some of this uh, market update type yeah. uh, podcast, yeah. right? Okay, okay, yeah. cool. And we
0: so, likely turn Rondi into some sort like a columnist. Yeah, for yeah. A he's going to be a columnist, you know. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. We're, we're <laughs> he trying. doesn't know, he's, he looks surprised, right? So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're trying to be the star, but uh, the, the, the old days of the star, not yeah. the star the new generation. Right? Of yeah, the, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, this is, uh, you know. Yeah, we want to get you know, people like you. And then, you know, guys, if you guys uh, want like recurring guests uh, apart from Rondi as well, uh, just let us know what other recurring guests you guys want to know. So anyway, let's get right into it, right?
3: Yeah.
2: Um, we, we'll we'll I'll divide the, this session into about three broad segments. I think the first is mm-hmm. we want to know what your general thoughts are. We'll share ours as well, but mm-hmm. the general thoughts on the market currently. Yeah. Okay. So it's a more macro, big picture kind of view. And then we talk about certain individual stocks that you're eyeing or mm-hmm. have been eyeing for a while, or maybe you've talked about them in the past and you want to give some updates. Yeah. And then the, the third will be, I believe you have something very interesting. So for those of you all uh, <laughs> who are uh, interested to in know what Ronny has to say, yep. stay all the way until the end. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so what, what do you think of the market right now? Because from where I sit, is that in terms of the equity markets, right? It's been, yeah. especially in the US, it's been flat. Malaysia has been flat for seven years, so yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah, the yeah. same. Sorry, I'm <laughs> um, um, not too sure about bonds. Certainly, commodities are moving up. I know mm-hmm. I have a friend who is shifting to a new house, a new family house. He's he's saying that uh, a lot of things has to be delayed because now his budget is a little bit tighter. Still, prices are going up, so it's mm-hmm. like a bit he's not he's a bit frustrated with all that so i know that front is happening but you know what are your thoughts right
1: now um what are my thoughts honestly i think a lot of things are um expensive yeah Mm. i think um, i would like to get that out um like, if let's say we are talking about broad-based uh, tech stocks, um, either be it in the US or even in Malaysia, I believe they are expensive. I yeah. would not say that they are undervalued. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if you are talking about some undervalued tech stocks or big tech stocks, yeah, maybe you can look into China and all that. Right, right. Of, yeah. So perhaps that could be an opportunity over there. Uh, but again, tech stocks have been expensive ever since, I don't know, 2016, 2017, 18, 19, and 2021. Also, mm-hmm. it's expensive, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I guess it's a good thing that we are not really timing the market. Otherwise, yeah. we would not be invested in some of these tech stocks. That's right. Yeah. Um, other than that, I believe there are some certain really interesting pockets of opportunities, um, which is perhaps. Um, depending on what type of investors or traders that you are, could you can actually benefit from it. So maybe what we can see is uh, on a global scale, the entire power crisis from mm. China, you know, and that sort of like lead into a lot of uh, commodities boom. Mm. <clears throat> um, so that in itself is a pocket of opportunity uh, for traders or maybe even thematic investors out there. Right. Yeah, uh, but in the broad base of things, there are still things to be cautious about, right? So, um, inflation is definitely feels like it's already here and it's already happening very, very rapidly. Um, apart from that, reopening of the economy is also another interesting theme. Um, but yeah, I think that's generally where I stand at the moment. Um, of course, in terms of investing. Um, everybody have a different style of investing. I personally have got, um, I mean, I, I, I manage my family funds and I do have two sets of portfolios, which I think I touched on the previous round as well. Yeah. I mean, I do have my active portfolio, um, which I sort of like manage on a yearly basis. And I am basically being um, reviewed uh, on an annual basis. And I have, of course, my long-term wealth compounder portfolio. And the way I manage those two portfolios are different, mm. right? So some stocks um, could be in both portfolios. Some stocks are very, very much on only on the wealth portfolio, and some stocks are only on the actively managed portfolio because mm. it has um, it has to be actively managed. Um, so I think that's the way um, I I would position myself. Um, sorry, that's the way I'm positioning myself. Yeah, and yeah, I mean. You know, from the last time we speak, and I I would say like until today, there has been uh, very, very, you know, uh, different trades that I personally have put in. Mm -hmm. I would say the second half of this year in Malaysia, especially, you know, um, it is very interesting because there has been a lot of, I would say, developments and um, there has been a lot of trades that are uh, investments that I have put in, which um, came up. Or turn out to be pretty good, la. Mm. Right, right. Yeah. Were
2: you were you uh, interested lo- or looking at the MMC one? I know that was a
1: big ah, thing. Yes, MMC. So um yeah. So MMC was actually a very interesting trade. Yeah. Um. I think in the first podcast we talked about uh like the inefficiency of the Malaysian market. Yeah. Taking and taking arbitrage opportunities. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like uh event driven arbitrage opportunities out there. Right. And that is basically the same with MNC um, I think in my stock bit uh, platform I have updated that throughout the entire cycle or the entire story and it was funny because during that time there were pre- we were presented with two different um, event-driven uh, traits or I would call them like and a M&A arbitrage right mm. um, those are two privatizations one is IGM, IGM plantation and mm. the other one is MMC Of course MMC is slightly different because it's like uh, it's like share capital base you know um, and IGM plantation it's a lot more straightforward <clears throat> and both of them have got two different outcomes IGM plantation one was very very straightforward mm. uh, there was like zero hassle and zero complications. But the one with MMC, it has got, uh, <laughs> I would say very, very interesting updates and bumps all along the way, right? I think what happened, um, if you guys follow stock ha- I would say like there has been two, um, like after the announcements where the share price really got very close to the two ringgit um, aqu- acquisition price, there has been two events which it actually like dropped to like 1.5 or 1.6 or something like that and the, the, the latest one being just one month away from the, the said event. So imagine that, uh, I don't think this was going to be happening in a lot of other markets, mm-hmm. but in Malaysian market, you know, uh, one, one month prior to the um, completion of the... Uh, sorry, it was like one month prior to the EGM, um, a lot of people were panicking, mm-hmm. and they started to you know, sell out the uh, MMC shares. And these are not retailers. I, I believe these are fund managers well, right? Institutional. institutional people. fund managers who just got co-feed thinking mm-hmm. that um, the deal will not go through. The deal will not go through. The larger shareholder will not be saying <laughs> yes to the entire mm. exercise. And they just sell off. And what we saw was then uh, it was a big, massive sell off to like 1.6, 1.5. And if, let's say, you sort of like take position during then, right? from then until the the entire completion of the deal, you're looking at an annualized return of, I don't know, it's crazy lah. I mean, yeah. you're looking at an absolute return of easily maybe like 20 to 30%. Correct. Yep. And if you annualize it because of the entire deal completion, probably it's going to be completed, say, end of uh, December or end of January latest. That, if you analyze that, that can easily be, I don't know, like a triple digit return maybe. Yeah. 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 So... Like triple digit, I know, last right.
2: year, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just curious. Uh, you mentioned like inflation. I'll go back there. Um, I think there's so much talk right now. I think recently Jack Dorsey, the 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 founder of Twitter, he talked about inflation is coming and mm-hmm. and all of that. Uh, how do you do you do you think hyperinflation is on the horizon? And if it does come, right, what do you think is the best way to protect yourself against something like that?
1: Um, I don't think I am like you know, I'm intellect- yeah. um, I don't think I'm smart enough to really uh, predict whether or not hyperinflation is around the corner. Um, I know that there are a lot of theories out there. Uh, some saying that there's going to be stagflation, some saying there's going to be hyperinflation and all that. I think you know just position yourself in a, in a very well diversified and balanced way in mm. terms of your investment. And I believe you should be okay. Yeah, I think uh, one of the one of the qualms about high inflation is that how it's going to impact, say, uh, highly valued growth stocks, mm. right? Mm. Like how, um, if let's say there is going to be an increment in interest rate, how is that going to impact all these uh, stocks, which is which we know is uh, extremely overvalued at the moment. Mm. Um, how is that going to impact the correction or the re-rating or something, right? Right. So that is definitely a risk. Mm. And I do not know whether or not um, you can really hedge against those things. But what I know is, um, I mean, inflation, honestly, it can be good, right? For the stock market. Yes. I mean, if let's say we're talking about a company which um, I know FRL is also invested in, say Tesla. Mm -hmm. Right. um, Is inflation going to be bad for Tesla? Maybe it can be bad in terms of the valuation re-rating, but in terms of the business-wise, I believe that Tesla can actually be benefiting from uh, higher inflation because uh, their 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 sort of cars, their sort of products is highly in demand. Mm. So I believe that when prices move up in accordance to just general prices of things, there is still going to be demand, and yep. therefore you know their cash flow, their revenue, uh, their profit is just going to keep growing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Mm. Um, at the time of this recording, um, the budget was just announced last week.
0: Yeah, And there were a slew of, um, what do you call it? Initiatives, uh, um, regardless of agenda that was introduced. And part of it was in a way, the biggest spending for Malaysia's budget. Mm. What are your thoughts? Maybe we can start off with specific thoughts about um,
1: the, in a way, capital gains tax. Okay. um, With regards to the budget, I, I think we need to look into it. um, I suppose in a different way. Number one is whether it's uh, politically uh, linked or Mm. rather it's politically motivated, Mm. which I think there there could be some. um, Yeah, I mean it could be yes. Yeah, yeah, but um, I just going back in and around your capital gains tax um, narrative, Mm. I know that this might not be a a popular opinion, Mm. but in my personal opinion, right, um, I feel like capital gains tax or anything that has got to do with um, increasing the stamp duty or whatever, you know, um, I think it can be a long-term benefit for the Malaysian market. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think I... In CMB, I used to trade Asian stocks. Mm-hmm. I used to trade in India. I used to trade in Taiwan and Hong Kong and Korea. And most of those markets actually have capital capital gains tax. Mm. And uh, some of the benefits of say capital gains tax um, or even like the stamp duty increment and all that, um, I can see it being number one. Um, there could be a move towards uh, investing in general, mm. like yeah. quality investing, instead of just Uh, high volume trading, okay? And number two, um, the likes of your pump and dump stocks, the Mm. likes of your syndicates and operators, there could be less of those things. Mm. And of course, um, then number three, I think banks, uh, like investment banks, and even the regulators themselves, the exchange like Bursa and all that, they are forced to then innovate Mm. in terms of how... Um, they can make the market more vibrant. Mm. So let me just give you an example in India, right? So in India, um, there are just stocks, but there are also like um, futures Mm. and futures on single stocks as well as futures on index and there are various of indexes, right? There is like bank index, Nifty index and all this sort of thing. Even MSCI uh, MSCI India index, Mm -hmm. or sorry, MSCI India futures, Futures all this sort of thing, single stock futures. And, um, you know, I believe this sort of innovation is, it can add to the vibrancy of the market. Um, and on top of that, again, coming back to the point, the first point where there is going to be a uh, investment mindset instead of just high volume trading. Um, in, then everybody is then forced to really look, da- uh, sit down and look into a stock in a, in a more deep down, uh, deep dive manner and, uh. To really differentiate what is good and what is bad and not just simply taking a shotgun approach uh, following gurus and or more uh, a machine gun approach rather than a shotgun approach <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, i don't know i mean i i personally am uh pro capital gains tax mm. uh, just because i think in the long term, it is it can be beneficial to the um, to the investment community in Malaysia. Mm. So I think when you look
2: at a similar situation, somewhat similar would be something like R G B T, right? For properties where mm. you are paid on the profit that you get, mm. but I think like R G B T is only for a duration of five years. Right? No, within five years. Within five years. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Correct. That means after five years, uh that then when you sell there's no more
0: previously it was. Now now, are, no more. now it's no more. Yeah, previously even right. on the sixth year you disposed there's something,
3: but right. now it's no more. Now yeah. no more.
2: So I mean, what are your thoughts on? Because the argument on the other side would be yes, it's great all that, but then um it, it might swing the other way. So it might be too too stifling and malicious market is not vibrant enough. It's not big enough. So we need a little, little bit more energy and all that. Mm-hmm. What do you think of uh, something with a time limit? So if, so for example, uh, you know, we invest always in a three to five year horizon, right? You invest in Tesla because, you know, five years from now, it's going to do better than it is today. Yeah. So uh, instead of, let's say, uh, doing a US-star one where you just, uh, no matter when you buy it, as long as you sell it, 20 years or so, you still have to pay tax.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, perhaps a time limit one, like for example, uh, if you buy Tesla, or let, let's say you buy MFCB, and you, you make a profit,
1: if you sell within five years, you get tax. If you sell after five years, you don't get tax. Um, the variation of capital gains tax, I think it, it varies. Mm-hmm. And I think even uh, in each countries, it varies as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I I recall that for instance, in, in India, it was, I mean, I could be wrong, but if I'm not mistaken, it is on a yearly basis. Mm. So whatever whatever gains that you make, wow. mark to market, you know, uh, it has to be computated in a way that wow, uh, That's crazy. Whether, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's a lot of work, man. It's a lot of work, but <laughs> I mean, um, it leads to a, a healthier financial community in India. Mm. I mean, mm. I would have to salute. Um, you know, there are, there are a lot of great investors in in oh, India. Oh yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So um, I mean, th- the answer to your question, I have no idea yeah. because yeah. Um, I think these are people who has been in the market, in the Malaysian market long enough, they should be able to give you a, a, a better guidance. Right. Uh, I mean, I have only been in Malaysian market, I would say three to four years. I'm still very, very young in terms of uh, understanding the uh, characteristics of the market and to see what it, what works and what what doesn't. Mm. Uh, yeah. But I know what works or rather um, how to improve the market is through, say, uh, a, a more vibrant... Um, communication channel between management and say uh, retailers or the financial uh, investment community for instance Mm. right Mm. so it just so happened um, for instance like um, I I think it was just about last year which I started this entire journey for Stockbit to really cover Facebook lives and online investor briefings for retailers Uh, yeah I think one year ago I did one with TechBond subsequently with Iconic and Green Packet Mm -hmm -hmm. and after that it has just been a year of uh, very interesting journey, lah, I would say, you know. And I believe that this sort of like online retail briefings that we have been happening, that has been happening over the past one year, be it from StockBit or be it from one of the uh, security houses like Rakuten or something. I think these are good things because, um, and these are uh, things which is required to eliminate the current negative stigma that is surrounding the Bursa Malaysia. Mm. And it actually promotes um, quality investment decisions. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to interrupt this podcast. I know it's a little bit annoying,
2: but I want to tell you something that I think can be really helpful to you. I can tell you're really interested in the stock market and want to learn more about it so that you actually know what you're doing, especially when today things are getting more complex and complicated. That's why we came up with the Stock Investing Blueprint or SIB. It's our signature e-learning program that teaches you how to pick the right stocks most of the time, buy and sell it at the best possible time, and manage your stock portfolio systematically. It currently has more than 10 hours of content, and it's growing. You'll also be part of a group of like-minded investors that can help speed up your learning process. To hop on the program, click on the link in the description, or go to learn- Dot viral dot co slash courses slash sib, going back to that stigma part and and, and it is it is
0: great um when you did all this uh, webinar and you opened the floodgates to all this right, I I don't think I opened the floodgates. Right? I mean <laughs> yeah, I think you did. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. that, that, you, you
2: you definitely played a part. Right? Yeah okay. yeah. One yeah. of the engines. Yeah. yeah.
0: But what was what uh, what wh- what I wanted to peel f- from that uh, statement was. In the past, let's look at it. How was this information disseminated? It would either be a remiser telling mm-hmm. his client, mm-hmm. which is a very non-scalable method. Mm-hmm. The other way is an analyst report, which we know majority of the market doesn't read. Yeah. And what 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 do you think is the appeal of these online things? Is it because of their access to management?
1: Yeah, definitely it's an access to management. Okay, yeah. that didn't happen in the past? Because for instance, like... Uh, so. Uh, uh, an online retail briefing or an online investor briefing, whatever you want to call it, right? It's, it's basically a very, very effective, um, yeah, it's an effective and efficient sort of like channel to communicate between management and uh, investors, mm. retail investors or even some uh, institutional investors and all that, right? Mm. Because um, number one, it eliminates that particular information gap which you mm. mentioned. Yep. You know? uh, previously, this sort of like meetings are only privy to the media, to the institutions, to Correct. the analysts. Correct. Right now, everybody have, uh, uh, are privy to this sort of- uh, Almost like success. an equal play- playing field. La. Equal playing field, yeah. And um, it also sort of like, it gives you access to one of the, I would say, most important or key investment metrics in any sort of investment. And I believe um, this is, um, you know, a lot of guests, A lot of your guests that comes into the podcast always mention management caliber, management caliber, management caliber, right? And this is the opportunity that um, retailers, just like me and you, we have access to, on a real-time basis, right? To actually get intimate with the management. Mm. It is like a time where you can ask questions, you are able to judge them um, on basically an impromptu questions that could be asked by the host. Mm. Um, And yeah, you just have access to... Say uh, their technical knowledge of their business, the roadmap that they have for the business, um, the passion they have—you can feel all those things, yeah. And for sure, you know, some of the managements may not be um, charismatic. Mm. Maybe they might not have any sort of PR trainings or, or, or something like that, right? But I believe a lot of the investors and the viewers they will be able to tell um, the difference between a management that is passion. Uh, passionate about mm-hmm. the business and those that is not. Mm. Of course, another sort of like um, thing that everybody needs to be aware of is that just like quoting Arsen Wenger, right, my favorite manager, <laughs> um, everybody has the prettiest wife at home. Yeah. Rather, everyone thinks that their wife is the prettiest. <laughs> so it's the same with any sort of um, media which you read, uh, media articles which you read and it's the same as got, as, as basically some of the radio interviews that you he- listen to mm. Um and all these online retail investor briefings, you need to have that sort of um, mindset, and you need to have that knowledge that, yeah, perhaps you know, it is only natural that the 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 speaker, the management, talks very very good about their particular business. Mm. So you need to really take into all these things into account. And I personally believe that the pros really outweighs the cons mm. uh, when it comes to retail online online briefings. Mm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. Why do you think that information disparity gap exists even today? Why do I think that exists? Uh, yeah. Even when you done re- we've done all these uh, online briefings and all that, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Is there certain incentives to keep that information disparity gap? Perhaps. Um, I don't really know how to answer that question, honestly. Um, but... There are definitely, you know, some some managements which are a little bit uh, less willing to to speak in public, um, maybe because they they think that they have that there is nothing for them to to show, mm-hmm. right? Or perhaps uh, it could be due to some um, I would say secrets that they do not want to divulge out mm-hmm. by accident or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they are. They they think that the public already know about their business enough. I see. Yeah. So maybe maybe because of some of those things. Okay. Um, or I don't know. Perhaps they 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 are scared about what um, retailers are gonna ask. You know. Uh, I I I mean, both of us, <laughs> or, or rather the three of us, have have been uh, hosts of um, all these briefings before. So right. we can we can understand some of their uh, fears. Fears, yeah. Yeah. So
2: Uh, perhaps- I I have to to ask this question because there's uh, one uh, player, right? In this discussion Mm -hmm. that not many people know about, but actually are extremely crucial when we, when you organize a briefing, right? Mm. People think that it's just you and the management, but there's another party, which is the IR firm. Correct, yeah, yeah. yeah. people do not realize, Malaysians do not realize how big of a role they play. Oh, yes. Because very often, Mm. um, just maybe just to share with those listening, right? We have been approached by people or by companies to cover them. And it's usually not the company or the CEO. Yep, It's the IR firms that come first. Uh. And that's like someone that is in between. So as with any middleman, right? There's always going to be certain issues. It can be a good thing, can be a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. So... In your experience, right, how has it been dealing with IR firms? Mm-hmm. How can, what they're doing good and what do you think they can improve on?
1: Oh, I think the IR firms that I have been working on with, um, I have very, very good working relationships with all of them. Um, I believe the intention um, is genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, they they really try to bring out the best of what the companies are doing. Like yep. uh, they, they try to really convey the proper message that it, that the companies are willing to convey. Um, and some of them really brought up like uh, basically the, I, I mentioned just now some, uh, some managements are just not PR friendly or yeah. they might not, they might lack the charisma to actually bring, come out to the public. And I believe these IR firms really help them in, in doing those sort of things. Uh, yeah, I I personally have very good relationship with a lot of, or, or maybe all of the IR firms. And mm-hmm. I, I, I think that they are very, very good for for the, for the entire ecosystem. The vibrancy of yeah. uh, the markets, <clears> actually. Yeah, and I hope that, you know, not just the IR firms, I, I hope that Bursa as well, they continue to um, be open with such open dialogue mm. between online uh, briefings with uh, retailers as well as with managements of companies. I th- uh, you know, like nowadays, AGMs, right? Mm. Now everything is being conducted. Uh, online correct virtual I I think that is a great idea and I hope that once things normalize it will stay like that or rather there is an option hybrid it's a hybrid hybrid hybrid, you know because honestly sometimes in the past right I had to drive to like Taiping lah, <laughs> I had to drive to Penang <laughs> to actually attend yeah, uh, an crazy. AGM. Yeah. And it's like a 50-50, honestly. You yeah. know, sometimes you go into an AGM and the management are just so closed about themselves. Correct. Right. Right. They don't even say anything. Yeah. And then you drive there for hours for what? It's yeah. Like, so for hey. the me-go-ring. <laughs> for <Go>. the Migo Ring. Ah, I mean, um, yeah, that that is why. I really hope that this entire um, digitalization of uh, management communication mm. uh, would continue. La, and I hope Bursa brings this forward and also yeah. the IR firms bring this forward. Yeah. yeah.
0: On, on this point, uh, um, I kind of miss the physical ones. Mm-hmm. And the reason is not uh, uh, why it cannot actually alleviate your problem about driving to Taiping, la, driving yeah. to Johor and all that. It's actually this off AGM conversations that I really enjoy. Meaning... Mm-hmm. The AGM proper, right? You start at ten, and then you 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 continue on, and there's a formal Q and A. But yeah. it's actually the breaks, and then when you get in, you get to speak directly to management, and you actually get to you know, ask them off the cuff kind of questions. Mm. That's the ones that I, those are the ones that I really enjoy, and you know, you can't do that in virtual. Because virtual, they can they can choose to ignore your question. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But saying that at the same time, um, what I want to bring up and I want to hear your thoughts on it is um. No, we both, we both use certain, you have, uh, obviously you, you, you can use a Bloomberg terminal, right? Yeah. We, we don't have uh, that kind of privilege, but certain websites that we use that screen all this kind of information. What I find is that on the US markets, you actually look for analyst briefings. It's all there. Mm. Earnings call, whatever. When yeah. you look for the Malaysian one,
2: there's none. Exactly. And, yeah. and I, I find so that- outdated outdated.
0: Outdated, there's, there's none. Actually, you know, on Ticker, right? When, when you go in earnings call, right? earnings analyst call, right? There's none. Literally, there's nothing. And yeah. what are your thoughts on that? And how, how do you think
1: regulators- Is it, you think it's a regulation problem or do you think it's a company problem? Um, I think it's just the ecosystem, the entire ecosystem from mm-hmm. regulators to managements- mm-hmm. uh, to even the investment community, everybody have to really up their game, Mm. um, you know, to to really bring the exchange to the next level. Mm. Um, Again, earnings call, I I think that is very important. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, um, information generally is very important. So whatever, um, whatever like uh, things that we can do to really improve the access of information, it should it should be at the Forefront of what the exchange is trying to do exactly. Yeah. exactly I I think um maybe because Bursa is like a public listed companies uh public listed company so um, perhaps there could be some I don't know maybe they they, they they prefer to have like a high volume high trading volume sort of like uh business but yeah. I I I personally in is in the opinion that you know the the market the Malaysian market is is mature enough for it to go into the next step, and um, it is only healthy for us to 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 think uh, of more quality investment rather mm. than again coming back to the machine gun approach of yeah. trading. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly.
2: Okay, I think now we talk about some of the names
1: that you are really interested okay. in. Right. Actually, before before I move on mm. to that, I actually would like to just say two more things. on please please, 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 yeah, online retail briefing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, in the past one year, I have had the privilege and the opportunity to really speak to, I think, I don't know, um, 30 to 40. I've been hosting and doing Facebook Live to 30 to 40, or even maybe 50, I, I cannot remember, mm. um, companies and managements in Malaysia. And I just want to really share with everybody that you know, a lot of people think that Malaysia, um, is a boring market. Mm. Yeah. We do not have big tech names mm. like the Tencent, Alibaba, Facebook, or, or, even we don't have like the startup, big startup names. Like even in Indonesia now, we have Bukalapak and all that we have unicorns and stuff. Right. Um, but you know, I, I believe that in Malaysia, there is, um, an entire spectrum of, or rather an entire diversity of businesses out there. Oh yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally have spoken to, again, 30 to 50 of them. I don't know what's the number. I think it's around 40. And it has gone through in many different diverse businesses. I've spoken to, I I think John has spoken to Hibiscus. Yeah. We we understand NRL. We understand the uh, supply chain of the oil and gas industry. Yeah. And even with MJ, I've spoken with you with OM Holdings. Yeah. Right. And we understand uh, the usage and the process the of... Ferrous
2: metals and all Yeah, that.
1: various metals like ferro silicon manganese, uh, silicon metal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I have had the privilege, or rather, again, both of us have had the privilege to talk to uh, MFCB. Correct. Um, the company we really admire. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, and then I've spoken to like some semiconductor names yeah. in the AT segment, yeah. like MLS, um Kobe. Yeah. And I, I mean... Some steel players like Anju on yeah. basically how to create or how to make steels, the different usage of steel and the different value chain of steel. So um, there are so such a diverse set of businesses. Yeah. And honestly, in Malaysia, there are a lot of solid businesses right. that I feel sometimes goes under the radar because yeah. of the stigma. Yeah. Because the first thing that people think about the Bursa Malaysia is that, ah, you can only trade it and- Manipulated. Yeah, manipulated. No, and they think that
2: the, the- So the problem is people, I think, make a fallacy of association, meaning they look at the US and they look at the S&P 500 and say, wow. Yeah. So the index is important. Yes, yes. So in the US it's true, right? Because huh? a lot of Good things point. are linked to the 401, the 401 case mm. or whatever, all linked to the S&P 500. So they take that and then they come to the Malaysia so what is in the index Compared. and when they look at the index the only excitement that's ever happened in the past two to three years is Topglove getting to <laughs> and Hapalega, maybe and supermax almost they almost <laughs> press, <ended>. metal <laughs> yeah, okay, press metal right yeah. but then by the rest of telco bank conglomerates yeah. and then you got Nestle's and all that but what I realize is people don't look at the guys below mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is exactly where you're talking about i yeah. think the names you mentioned just now right they used to be small cap
3: mm-hmm.
2: some of them probably still are small cap mm-hmm. right yeah maybe they have gone into mid and big cap hey, recently. But the,
0: no, even even with that while, while i completely agree with you on that even the big caps right in the klci space how many investors really understand the business nature of those for example p yeah
1: it's an index stock yeah
0: but it's, do a lot of people know that they are they are in a way one of the best yeah petrochemical uh, run companies in the world right
3: so mm-hmm.
2: so but I see that's again that stigma right yeah. because oil and gas oil economy yeah mm-hmm. not green ESG so the uh, the understanding for whatever reason is that malaysia is in the doldrums because of branding uh, malaysia is one of the worst brandings right yeah. it's the reason why singapore can <laughs> claim street food <laughs> like that, that when we lose out there we know there's something really bad yeah. for branding when our our islands out there are just as good as whatever you can find in, in thailand East, but, yeah, but when yeah. people think of holidays they think thailand they don't think yeah malaysia. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: exactly so um yeah. I mean, the stigma is there, you know, Malaysia is full of palm and dumps, uh, full of syndicates. You'll, you'll lose money, you better invest in US, uh, invest in ETFs, or even invest in NFTs or cryptocurrencies. <laughs> you know, don't invest in Malaysia, right? Uh, but I think that is very, very unfair uh, assessment to yeah. to to really, to the many of uh, solid businesses, mm. honest managements, yes, uh, very well run companies in Malaysia. Yeah. yeah. And there are plenty of those uh, people around. So, Good that you bring this up. I actually wanted to ask you this question before we move on to the individual
0: stocks. Mm. What was your best and worst experiences? And obviously you can choose not to name the companies, but you yeah. can just give a pseudo. Is it? So you, it would be great if you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like, you did this Facebook live or, or, or that, one, and it was uh, an experience that you may not want to go through again. Mm-hmm. And then maybe on the good side is that while you, you, The first time you met this management you want to talk to them again and and again and again maybe you can share that experience i mean
1: um yeah again i don't really want to go into names but honestly i in general right Uh in the entirety of my experience so far Uh um i just have very very good um, learning curve Mm. very very steep learning curve Mm -hmm. again i i know so many things about the diversity of businesses in Malaysia. Yeah. Even though I'm just scratching the surface. But I learned so much more. Like I feel like I'm 1% smarter. Yeah. Yeah. After yeah. the entire how many interviews that I have done in the past year. Even last
0: week we when we were talking to Initia's management, remember? Yeah. yeah. It's it's like you think you know the
1: business and then you meet them and then, oh,
3: oh, yeah. You know, something exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: so that is definitely one of the case. And um I I think the most important part of this entire thing, right, is that once you get to know a business uh deep down. Mm. Once you are able to talk to the management, you understand the business and the business horizon that it is trying to paint, um, as well as the management that is running the business, mm. the people, and you can feel the passion and all those, and all those things, right? And then you know that, okay, you know what? I just want to be invested in this company. And there is basically the level of conviction that it goes up mm. uh, accordingly la, with, mm, with mm. that. So again, I think we, we touched on this in the previous podcast. So for instance, again, like uh, DNO, uh, it's one of my earlier uh, Facebook live that I did, right? I, um, I, I'm still very angry that you didn't kick me hard enough to buy. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, if let's say I did not have um, those, or other, if let's say investors did not have that access to mm. management. And I can tell you that even until today, people are still texting me in private and say, thank you for you know uh, yeah. that particular session with DNO. Because... Yeah. Uh, I mean, they it just helps them to build conviction to actually hold into the stock. Yeah, I understand that the stock is trading at I don't know how many multiples. Uh, I at think, the no, now I think I checked last week it was about
0: eighty times or ninety times. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I mean, that is a topic that we can touch on later. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, in terms of just the business progression um, and the business roadmap, you just want to stay invested in this company for 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 the long term, like In my mm. opinion, yeah, yeah. So names what are, what are you what are you excited about What am I excited yeah. about <laughs> in Q4 okay I mean yeah. in I think it's very very difficult to just call on some selected names sure. um you know I think in terms of say maybe again, industries maybe industries no yeah hmm. um as I mentioned just now I do have like an active portfolio mm-hmm. and I, I have like a sort of like a wealth portfolio mm. So maybe I'll touch on basically what are the long-term stocks that I'm willing to hold for Mm. for the long term. Because Mm. some of the stocks which I think might be doing well for the Q4 or going to 2022, right? Some of them need some active management. Mm. Because you need to be really uh, be in touch with, I would say, the theme of the day and all that. Mm. And how the market is um, valuing that particular entire play, Mm. right? But... There are some stocks which is very, very good for the long term. Mm. Okay, And I think I believe I mentioned some in the previous session also. But for me, um, I have started to invest in a selected few companies in Malaysia for the long term. Mm. So these are like the stocks that I invest and in, I do not want to. And I can just sleep on it. Mm. And I think in terms of looking into that direction for long term investment, for for long-term investment, right? You need to be able to, again, firstly, understand what is a long-term theme. Mm. So, let me just give you an example of two stocks which really resonates with this. Mm. Okay, so, like, what is, what is a long-term theme that you can think about? For me, I can think about power and energy. Mm. Okay, so that is, a Long term team. Mm. Okay. So those are not just the hot thing that is happening today. Like, yeah, maybe it's, not, EVs it's not the or fashion whatever. of the day. Yeah. It's not the fashion of the day, but it's like a long term, long term team. No, because, I mean, John, I don't know how old you are now. But uh, 42. How old is your father? Mm, 1954. <inaudible> no, no, 1954.
3: 1954, so right? 19, okay. So
1: around the 1960s, for instance. Yeah. Right? In the 1960s, the consumption per capita for energy, oh, yeah. I think it's like about i don't know 1200 kilowatt hours or something like that yes. yeah per person yeah and today uh, you talk about Malaysia, right no globally, globally globally okay globally today that particular um, per capita usage of power or electricity is like about 3600 mm. globally okay mm. and now that is basically 3x already in the span of from 1960 1970s to now is about in the span of 50 years mm. okay 50 years the 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 thing is That has 3X, but the population have also doubled or even 2.5X. Yep. I think right now we are about 7 to 8 billion. Mm. Okay. During that time, I think it was just like uh, 3 to 4 billion. Mm. So what you are having right now is two multipliers, right? Yes. You are having consumption usage per capita is increasing and you have the population size to back it up. Yep. And this is just talking about global average. Yep. If let's say you're talking about, say, per consumption capita in the US mm. for electricity, that is actually at about, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 13,000 okay. kilowatt hours. Mm. And it, I mean, if you compare that to, and those in China, they're spending about 4,000 kilowatt hours. Mm. Oh, that's almost same to Malaysia, because Malaysia is about
0: 5,000. Yeah. Plus. yeah, Singapore.
1: So just yeah. now when I mentioned 3,600, it was just global. Yeah. Global, right? Yeah. But you know that this is just going to keep on going up. Yep. Yeah. Okay, the global average is going to be closer to China or to Malaysia, you mentioned, yeah. or maybe to even US. Yeah. Okay, and this is going to keep going up. The population, people are predicting that it's going to be a billion f- a decade. Yeah. Okay, so you know that the population is going up. You know that the... Per- Per, uh, per capita usage of electricity is going up. And why 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 what are the drivers behind this is things like digitalization. Correct. Everybody is just so stuck in the phone. Now, now the, the, <laughs> the, the 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 term metaverse is all around. metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> and factories are all going to be automated. Correct. All these things are gonna require electricity. Correct. Okay. So for me, it is one of the reasons why. In my wealth fund, I have Tesla. Mm. Because from the very beginning, I never thought of Tesla as just a car company. Mm. I always thought about Tesla as an energy company first mm. with a lot of parts and automotive being one of them. Okay, so that is one. But in terms of Malaysia, if let's say you're looking into the landscape of having that particular long-term trend of mm. energy and power consumption, mm. you're, you want to look into companies which is going to be in and around that trend. Correct. Okay, and in my personal opinion, um, right now, I can think of maybe Yinsen mm-hmm. and maybe Pestec. Mm. Okay, and that is why I'm investing in them for the long term. Mm. Um, I mean, no buy, sell, call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no financial yeah, advice. Yes. Correct. Uh, but this is, I, I mean, I have written uh, about them in StockBit. Okay, I mm. like I like Pestec because um, number one, you know, they have such a scalable business. Yeah. In a sense that I think, as the MD Paul mentioned, you know, it is all physics. Yes. They can do whatever they are doing over here. They can do it in Papua New Guinea. They can right. do it in Cambodia. They can do it in Laos or all these things. And I think maybe some context to PESTEC is that it is an unseen part of
0: the infrastructure play. In a yeah. sense that people think of the switch and the lights and probably yeah. the power generation, but mm. in between, yeah. there's a lot of things that needs to be. It's like it's like. Water pipes. People think of the water treatment plant, but not the pipes.
1: You know? Yeah, 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 correct. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully one day I can meet Stanley Leela, But you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he he have a lot of things to talk to about past tech as well. Oh yeah, sure. right. but yeah. I mean, just whatever that is already publicly available. Correct. Right now, right, you can see that the MD is very passionate. Yeah, okay. Paul is very uh, passionate about the yeah, business, and he's very technical as well. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, you know, um we can see the innovation. I mean, this sort of business, it seems boring, mm. right? Like, I mean, you're, you're, you're doing EPCC on power transmission line, mm. all this yeah. sort of Sub, like substation. substation, sounds boring. Yeah. But honestly, like what Pestec has done, they have actually bring this boring business and innovate on that. Yeah. So they have done like, I think smart metering for Tanaga or something yeah. like that. To and be then able maybe to
0: the train for KLIA. Yeah, they I can don't know do that.
1: Well. Announced already I've yeah, not kept that, in touch. Yeah, so yeah. they are doing that, and they have some, I think, a mobile power station or something like that. You know, so they keep innovating in and around the areas that they are strong at. Mm. And I think the latest ones are basically the EV chargers, which right now is just the, uh, a very small part of the business. And you know, they they try to go into say like a hydrogen fuel cell and supercapacitor to. Mm to really light up the small villages in and around Malaysia. Mm. So um, I really like what they do with their strength. Um, and therefore, I'm invested in them, in mm. Bestech, right? And I think the same can be said with Incent. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, we we, we covered Incent in, our, in yeah. our oil and gas talk. So yeah. you guests can just listen to, their, to that. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, they have a great management team, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I think about management team uh that everyone needs to look into is that how are they going going to be able to adapt to change correct yeah because you know um a business is it, it can be good for now mm. but times always change correct. Right. Yeah. and basically how adaptable are they to change mm. and i think in the instant we are able to see that last time they used to be just a logistic company they became like a fpso company and mm. right now they are really transitioning themselves a little bit more towards Electric vehicle and green technology, and all this sort of thing, right? So, they have a track record of uh, being good in change. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, other than that, they have like, I don't know, like super recurring business income. <laughs> um, I mean, the future cash flow are going to be good, yeah. right? People are focusing a little bit too much on their debt at the moment, which yeah. everybody can understand. Yeah. But sometimes you need to sort of like take a back seat and think about how this debt is going to be helping in terms of future free cash flows and future recurring incomes, right.
2: Yeah. yeah. What are they using the debt for, right? Are they yeah. using for non-recurring or recurring businesses? Yeah, Yeah. yeah. correct.
3: Yeah.
1: correct.
2: Yeah. correct. Yeah. So like what, uh, apart from uh, like power generation and and energy, right? Are there other areas that you're excited about?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, in the long, long-term long trend, oh, I haven't even touched on MFCB. They are wow. also yeah. in <laughs> They're <laughs> also in and around that space, right? Yes, yes. But other, other than that, um, recently I've spoken to say OCK. Ah. Okay. So OCK is also somewhere around the same infrastructure play yeah. for the long term, right? Because these are telco towers. Um maybe I'll write about them in stock bits soon. So yeah, mm-hmm. just keep uh <laughs> yeah. keep in tune you about it. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, um I like I like the fact that um there is gonna be a shift between 4G to 5G and how they're gonna be in and around the business. Um, people don't really realise but a lot of people are so dependent on connectivity these days, yeah. you know, and I think they play a, a big part of that and you don't really realise but these Telco Towers, when you actually lease them out, it actually is, you get a good rental yield out of it, lah, you know, and there are, there are a lot of like foreign private equity guys who are, who's actually coming around to this region, this part of the region, say Indonesia or Philippines or even, I don't know, uh, Southeast Asian region, mm-hmm. who, who who are actually willing to buy these telco towers because of the yield that they're providing. Mm. You know? um, so there are definitely underlying value to the assets that they're holding. Uh. Mm. Um, other than that, it's just healthcare. I, I I mean, you can't really talk about long-term um, without touching healthcare. Mm. Um, I'm still a believer in glove. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if let's say you're talking about... I mean, right now they are really facing a lot of headwinds mm. in terms of valuation, derating, rating Perception on the market as perception, well. Perception, yeah. Uh, sentiment. But I think, you know, if let's say you're looking into a, a long-term perspective, healthcare, gloves, they are in tune. They are in line, right? Because mm. I mean... Um, who is the lowest cost producer of gloves globally? Mm. It's still mm. Malaysia, yeah. Um, and I think a position over there is just gonna be good for the long term, uh. mm. yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I think somewhere around healthcare, I maybe like IHH or something. Yeah. it could be also mm. a, a good investment. What about? I'm, I'm.
0: You know, both of us we're very aligned with uh, semiconductor. What, what are your take on the mm. electronics semiconductor? Malaysian companies are to be more specific first then maybe
1: we can venture into yeah yeah um the semiconductor sector in Malaysia for me it it took time for me to really get a hang of accepting the valuation mm. all right and i, I mean i I'll be lying if I did not sell front can when it was trading, <laughs> maybe like 30 or 40 times PE because I thought it was expensive already. <laughs> okay. And today is what? Uh,
0: 40, I think 40, 50 times. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah. it took, it took, it took a while to really understand the market Yeah, and to really understand where Malaysia is positioned within the entire spectrum of, I don't know, um, global semiconductor mm. supply chain. Um, but maybe in answering that, particular question John yeah I would like to perhaps bring it one step back mm-hmm. to a video which um, I saw online from value partners I don't know if you guys know. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah 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 value partners yeah. the hedge fund in Hong Kong right yeah so um, value partners Dato Sri Chia yeah he actually mentioned there are basically um three components in the stock market which can make you money from the stock market as an investor mm. okay He mentions the first one is basically the increase in EPS, earnings per share. Mm -hmm. The second is basically dividend yield. Mm -hmm. And the third one is basically P-E ratios, re-rating. Yep. Okay. So I'll come on the third one later on. But Mm -hmm. basically the first two are basically, if let's say today or other 2021, uh, this company earns 10% more earnings than last year, setteris peribus, everything stays the same. Mm -hmm. You as an investor, the share price should actually jump by 10%. Correct. Okay. And if let's say the second point is on dividend yield. So if let's say this particular company on top of the 10%, they give you a 5% dividend, then maybe your, your entire return becomes from 10 plus 5, 15%. Yeah, 15%. Saturage best, mm. Everything stays the same, right? Mm. So you get 50, 15%. But he did mention that this day and age, um, and he did mention that it is actually after 20, 2008, after the global financial crisis, The third point, which is valuation re-rating, PE re-rating comes in as um, something that is basically very important. Mm. And he termed his value investing as quality value investing Mm. in a sense that in the 1990s, he he says that, you know, you can easily buy low, sell high. Mm. Um, The the crux of where you make money as an investor comes from the first two options, Mm. um, increment in EPS and also dividend yield in the 1990s, he says. But these days, after the global financial crisis in two thousand and eight, number three takes a precedent. Mm. Yeah, quality value investing takes a precedent. Mm. Um, he gave uh, a bunch of reasons. Okay, but um, an example of PE multiple re-rating that he gave was that he was invested in a solar company in Shanghai. Mm. Okay, and this particular solar company, when he invested, it was trading at a PE multiples of about thirty-eight times or something, but. Um, today or during during that recording, right, that particular investment had doubled up mm. because um, yes, the PE uh, sorry the EPS have grown a little bit, mm. but the PE multiples from thirty eight times the financial community then actually have made it into like a seventy six times, <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, and so so he 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 made a lot of money from that particular yeah. investment, and he says that how to determine um, this sort of investment right is. For him, why he actually went into that particular investment, even though it was such a high valuation multiples already, mm. is because um, of the entire seriousness of the Chinese government and their commitment to zero um, ze- zero uh, net carbon emissions, yes. zero carbon, <laughs> <and> <laughs> zero net yeah. carbon emissions. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. So, muscle. so China was very very serious about that mm. by 2060. You know what is the carbon emission level that they want to pack at, right? And therefore, an investment in that particular space uh, took, yeah, you know, the investment community took really uh, a big positive from it. And um, the the valuation multiples on that particular sort of uh, theme, it just went up. Yeah. Yeah. So... And he also sort of like give an example or reasoning reasoning behind such um, drive of valuation multiples, right? He say things such as these days um, information is widely available. Right. Last time in the 1990s, it's so difficult to get an annual report. Correct. Yeah. Nowadays, data is publicly available everywhere. Mm. So. Um, The the strength that they used to have in the 1990s of being an institutional fund manager has eroded, you know, has eroded, yeah, because now everybody, uh, people like myself, uh, you, and everybody else can be uh, financially smart as well, Mm. as smart as who they they were last time. So they needed to take another sort of like a different dimension in terms of understanding business, it Mm. cannot be just. Based on the normal financial metrics Correct. in that particular box of what used to work last time. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a lot more qualitative judgments that have to be taken into account. Mm. They have got a lot more um, ways of valuing a company from the management yeah. and from how their future prospects is going to be, um, projecting a lot more future free cash flows and whatnot. You know. So these are a lot of things which are very important in uh, quality value investing, which he mentioned. Actually, very interesting that you brought up this
0: point <coughs> because uh, there's actually this um, fund manager, uh, fund, former hedge fund manager that uh, I follow uh-huh. from Point72. And uh, she actually mentioned that uh, she and her, uh, her cohort actually mentioned when you know how to read financial statements and understanding, th- these are considered like table stakes on you know. It's like just table stakes. Table stakes meaning for you to just get into the basics of the game, that's it but the point about understanding growth prospects the, the point about understanding industrial uh, revolutions and consumer changes in behavior right mm-hmm. that's the next forefront of investing because uh you know here we look at someone like Cathy Wood trying to predict you know certain things um. i'm not saying that she's right all the time but at the same time, you see people like uh David Gardner and Bonnie fool, right? Yeah, they don't look at purely valuations metrics, you know. It's, it's more of a qualitative kind of judgment that says, okay, I'm willing to take a bet on let's say healthcare. There's a basket of stocks I buy. Not all are gonna, gonna succeed because we don't know all the parameters. Yeah. But then <clears throat> they are willing to uh, make the sacrifice of yeah, valuations maybe on the high side, you know, but does it really matter over the long run mm. if this teams actually play into you know in, in, in into reality I think that
3: yeah.
2: I actually think that uh, ironically part of, I actually think that you know a lot of people who are financially trained and that they are in that box right I think yeah. part of the reason this is my view I'm not sure if it's um, uh, many people share this part of the reason is that they actually do not understand what they learn in school let's say like oh, DCF yeah. uh, calculation so to go a little bit deeper right a lot oh. of this they are saying that they think that they are really smart because they know all these financials and they know how to do DCF spreadsheets that's mm. why that's why they lose out which is true yeah but to be more specific right i think the challenge today is that when you go into university or any finance program or watch any finance modeling videos online is that they tell you how to model the first 10 years uh-huh. <laughs> but they never tell you how to model the terminal growth and yeah. they always tell you that the terminal growth rate yeah is 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 inflation tracking or negative, but when you look at companies like Amazon and Tesla, they deliberately sacrifice the first ten oh, years yeah. of profit mm-hmm. for the terminal growth rate. Yeah, and that makes all the difference. And that's why that's why valuation has mattered. Uh, so called valuation has mattered a lot less. Not because valuations don't matter, yeah. but because mm-hmm. where you look yeah. is more important now rather than just. Calculating that ratio. Actually, yeah. when
0: you mentioned this, uh, Netflix is the classic yeah. example.
2: Can you imagine when when they went to build their own uh content, original yeah, 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 content? Yeah, people
0: right. thought they were nuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right? The people question they to were value nuts. Netflix
2: is to and that's this is what I learned from Nick Sleep, right? Yeah. The the way to value Netflix and Amazon and all that was to assume that they spend the bare minimum. Correct. Then you will know how much they're earning. Correct. Because I think in the 2000s, Amazon. Yeah, very high P and all that, and no profit, whatever, correct, right? Correct. But to the people who understood the business, they yeah. were taking out the R and D portion of adjust, the expenses. Adjust it. The means they they figure out is ten times earnings. Yeah, mm. it's cheap. Right. Even Palante today. Look at yeah. And in <laughs> fact, <laughs> I did the same for for Kobe. Yeah. Uh this is one of the saddest stories for myself. But
3: <laughs> because
2: I knew Tan uh you know uh Mr. Tan Tengbu from iCapital, he had Kobe in his name and yeah, was yeah, yeah. one of the smaller names. Yeah, yeah. So I look at that, I studied the company. I actually did my adjustments. So I look at this is purely on the spreadsheet, right? Mm so to give all the spreadsheet uh nuts a little bit of hope right you can still find the answer in the spreadsheet mm. i actually calculated i adjusted some of the returns on invested capital for kobe mm-hmm. it was north of 20 percent yeah on a low year it was like high yeah. teens yes so fantastic business really, one. Yeah. Yeah. two if you adjust the PA at that time it's like sub 15 sub 12 yeah. something else yes. like yeah right I've, but yeah. they couldn't do it because they were still including all these other expenses mm. that uh what we call Non or rather, are these are like discretionary spending? Yeah. So, you, if you take out the discretionary spending, actually, all these companies Correct. are like incredibly Correct. profitable. Yeah. Right.
1: Actually, I think MJ hits the nail there with yes. you know uh, ROIC. Yes. Yeah, I think yes. ROIC is a very, very important metric to tell, um, on whether a particular valuation can sustain in the long term, yes, yes, yes. Okay, because yeah, for sure, we know that. This stock is expensive. That stock is expensive. It is always expensive. Mm. But can the valuation sustain in the long term? Yes. That have got a lot to do with ROIC. Yes. So if let's say you're looking into Tesla. I mean, the ROIC is actually increasing, mm. growing, right? Yeah. It's a growing ROIC. And I don't, I don't think they would need the capital that Apple would require. But mm. I believe they can actually get the ROIC which capi- which Apple is having right now at mm-hmm. about 30 to 40%. Mm and that's because of course um, right now a lot of people can see it because you know the the, the quarterly results have actually shown that they are profitable business mm. but you know these are still uh, early, early stage right because mm. they haven't even the FSD hasn't come in yeah um, and a lot of other optionalities has not come in into the uh, into the earnings so I believe that you know Tesla is going to be uh, trading at say uh, 40x multiples in the future yeah but let's just take it into I don't know, on the flip side, mm. maybe we talk about um, some solar APCC players, for mm. instance, right? Mm. <clears throat> I don't know whether it's in Malaysia or globally or something like that. Um, or maybe, yeah, I mean, um, again, what is the ROIC? Can that be sustained or not yeah, for, right. for, for for say the next few years? Mm. If let's say you're, you're looking at the ROIC to be a, a mere a single digit mm. and it is going to be roughly around there, maybe the PE re-rating could be be PED rating in one uh, one of the yeah. years in the future mm. yeah so yeah. I think that particular ROIC is a very important metric actually many
0: how do I say uh, many good value investors when they look at the ROIC metrics right the reason why they can do these adjustments is because they understand the business well they know what are the items that you need to adjust you know mm-hmm. because yeah. if you don't understand the business well enough what do you know are bare minimums? What do you Correct. know are uh, just uh, for you to just stay afloat? Like yeah. the, the, the joke that I always have with, because MGS just that for public bank, you know? so yeah. so we, we could joking with this, is said, you go to public bank, you go and look at the loans department, right? You see all the computer monitors, uh, it's all yeah. the CRT monitors, you know? Then you go to CIMB, wow, state of the, yeah. top, top of the line uh, uh, <laughs> uh, monitors, thin <laughs> monitors and all that. Then you mean, that is a qualitative rule of thumb way of already saying, ah, they spend on what matters. Meaning, get better products, yeah. underwrite better loans and all this w- kind of thing. One of
2: the cool things about banks that we we realized recently was, uh, actually not recently, uh, probably a year or oh, so. A year already, already yeah. Uh, actually, you know, I'm sure you're from a bank, you know how people look at banks, right? Price to book, ROE. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> correct, correct. Right? Net interest margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Actually, the, the way we realized to look at banks is not, to look at the interest cost because interest cost is the same, right? yes. everybody. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's actually to look at the non-interest cost. Mm. So, for example, right per brancher, how much revenue they make, what is the mm. cost? Yes. Mm. So I believe I've not done the math, but I believe, uh, private banks one of the Ooh, lowest, we, we, yeah, mm, uh, yeah. <laughs> high, lowest cost per branch and highest revenue, revenue per, <laughs> per branch. Okay, and yeah. that's why no surprise their ROE has always been the highest. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. ROE is like the. It's like the, the surface figure, right? Yes, but yes. all these little things that contribute to ROE because yeah. how much you spend on your pen
3: yes. affects <laughs> your equity. Man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, <laughs> How
2: much you affect, pay for your computer affects your equity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of this will, will all come into account. And that's why, uh, that's why I... You know, someone like charlie munger also figured this out very early on that's yeah. why he invested in costco yes, costco yeah. is like two percent margins, three yeah. percent margin all the investors are like nuts who would invest in a company with two three <laughs> percent margins yeah. but yeah. they don't realize that and and some of the the, the 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 things that they sell are so so cheap right yes. costco yeah mm. but he recognized right that by doing this right the amount of customers that you will acquire okay. and stick to costco that will Give the subscription is going to only increase and so he, he he knew very early on right it's all about going back to predicting future cash flows yes, 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 yes and yes. the problem is that people want the cash flows now that's yeah. why people want low PE now <laughs> yeah. remember
0: when uh we had this discussion about mfcb and then they they just finished construction Sahong mm. and then they were plowing into coconuts mm. and then on i3 they were saying how come dividend so bad i ah? <laughs> 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 remember and then someone from mfcb had to go and reply and it says uh the, the the sad part about this ronnie and, and you know about this discussion about roac is that people are not willing to be patient and to trust management I mean, these guys already delivered. Here they are, they want dividend, they want this, they want, at the same time, uh, they want the stock price to grow. Hello, brother. You need money to grow the business,
2: <laughs> No, but what's funny, okay, so I see the flip side. Yeah. So I think a lot of people look at MFCB, want that growth. Now it's really about six, seven times earnings, the yeah. cash flow yeah. And it has been flat. For like <laughs> I'm <last>. like, <laughs> so I'm like, hey, hey, this one PE low why no one buying, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's not like it's uh it's not like the PE is low because they, they had a one-off gain, right? They're going to have this PE yeah. for a long time if the share price don't move. And so we are, I'm just thinking that like, huh? <laughs>
1: I, to okay. do some I think, I think, la. I think this, uh, these are compounders. Yeah. Um, you, you buy, right? You sit tight. One of the days it will just, uh, it will just go up to your yeah. yeah. expectation.
0: Actually, it's so hard, right? Like <clears throat> I keep on joking. There was a, uh, another PLC that I can't mention that I had coffee with, right? He's, he's probably the number three in this company. And I was like telling him, I said, eh, uh, Mr. So-and-so, I said, yeah, i found a company uh, selling for six times cash flow you know mm-hmm. he, his eyes open you know <laughs> he's
2: like he cannot believe this thing exists you know
0: yeah and it, the and private
2: so markets you will not sell for that yeah no that
0: way amount. no,
2: way yeah. It's no way. way yeah
0: so back to tesla energy company. Yeah, what else what I mean, else, what else? <laughs> what else <are laughs> i think yeah, we're there's, there's no, there's not, no rush uh, to squeeze things out like it's yeah, a it's podcast re- yeah. re-rate, he was talking about uh chia Hai, and he was talking about analyst re-rating as the uh, driver, more of a driver today than mm-hmm. yeah. So then, but, yeah. You want I mean, we're semicon, right? Yeah,
1: I, I think you know. Uh, coming back to that point, uh, this this sort of investment might not be for everyone. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. And um, honestly, in terms of investing, you can make money in a lot of different ways. Correct. Uh, number right. one, I think you can make money if let's say you are looking into this sort of um, angle mm. or other investing in what we term as growth stocks. Mm there is a potential of you making money. But right. it's a higher risk. Yes. You need to be able to, again, do the qualitative judgment to invest in the right business, right brand, right more people. work involved. Uh. Yeah. But again, another method of really, uh, you know, making money is really to invest in a super cheap stocks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, net-net. Um, <laughs> net, yeah, net I mean, super cheap stocks, uh, matured stocks which are being sold off during some bear market or some um, unreasonable sort of like sell-off uh, due to some market inefficiency or whatever, you can invest in them and you still can make money. Yeah. So there is really no um, no one sort of like uh, foolproof or other uh, advice into investing. You can really make money from different, different sort of investment uh, criteria. And ironically, even those borrowing stocks, right, Ronnie. When you mentioned that, right? I remember a
0: chart that MJ showed me and it was a chart between growth and value investing. Remember that yeah. chart, MJ? Mm, mm. And the growth was the exciting part. Yeah. The value was the boring So You're talking yeah. about the Nestle's of this day and the yeah. Coca-Cola's. And it, it's
2: actually quite fascinating the study they've done yeah, on this. Actually, yeah. the uh, best performing asset classes tend to be the ones that have just exited the s 500 or the Dow back then. So mm. for example, in the 1800s, mm. all the rich was... Railways. Mm. So, railways was the tech companies of. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Of the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, what happened was that people who bought the railways when they were in the Dow yeah. didn't make money. Mm. But after that, when they were. F- do you know that <laughs> the best performing <laughs> stock over the past 50 years is this Kansas Railway? I don't know if you know this. I don't know that. 23%, <laughs> 20, 24%. Over the past, they beat Apple. Yeah.
0: yeah. And even Kansas if, Railway. And, and even when we compared boring companies like Clorox.
2: Yeah, it's good. Clorox,
0: right? The performance of Clorox is even yeah. better than Apple, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, of course the, but
2: but you see, the challenge yeah. is that you actually have to hold them. Yes, you, know, you actually have to buy and yeah. then sell. And that's why it's it's always a interesting discussion about how much research should you be doing yeah. because yeah. you need to do enough, but then you, you do so much, right? Where suddenly you start to overcomplicate things. Yeah, mm. over analysis paralysis. Huh? <sighs>
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, you can make money in different types of market, lah. Yes. Okay. in the bear market, it's the best time to really buy all these value stocks. Correct. Right. But does that mean that in a market which is which we know sort of like overvalued as of right now, mm, we, historically, do we stop investing or rather do we take profit on those companies which have come into your fair value or mm. target price? Mm. I personally don't think I would do that. Mm. Um, you know, uh, if let's say. I believe in the story, I believe in the business. I would like to hold it for much longer. La. That's why I don't really believe in say a target price or a fair value yeah, per se. Yes, yes, yes. Um because if let's say you you take profit when it's fifty yeah. percent up or hundred percent up or two hundred percent up, when are you gonna ever say that you have hit a ten bagger? Correct. Right? Yeah. So yeah, right. <laughs> yeah I mean so that's that's my take on 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 that on that. So I, I do want to ask
2: you a little bit about the overvalued. I think a lot of people use the yeah. word that the market is overvalued right now, but I think John and I we have a different way of looking at valuation. Yeah. So we are not valuation agnostic people, meaning to say that we it's not that we don't care, uh-huh. uh, or rather we do care about uh valuation. And one of the things we've always compared to is the general market versus the interest rates, right? Yes. I think that yeah. is the ultimate because when people say overvalued, overvalued, they just say PE.
3: Yeah.
2: But when you look today, right? When in the US you can get like your your interest is at zero point two percent. Whatever it is, like, yeah. it's not worth mentioning. Like, yeah. so. <laughs> and if you think about it, right? If your risk free rate is zero point two percent, right? A fifty p stock is very attractive. Yeah. A mm. hundred p stock is very attractive. Very attractive. attractive. Actually, a yeah, five hundred yeah. p stock could be attractive. At right? a
0: p of what fifty it was what uh, earnings zero what two percent? Yeah.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, 10 times yeah, exactly. Than yeah. We I think make, we right?
1: touched this on the previous podcast video. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean I agree with those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just want to highlight also, right? Um, this day and age, uh, and I know this because it's from. Uh, I mean, I know people who is basically developing this sort of app, right? Mm. Um, right now, when I, when it comes into like uh, themes or all these like plays, uh, pure play or whatever, um, it happens because I know that in, I know people who is trying to create an application where, you know, it is so sleek, it is so simple for you to buy stocks. Um, There is basically um, very, very simple sort of like key statistics on on news about a particular company, but the the app is really focused on themes. Mm. Okay, so you go into this app, You go into this app and you would like to buy a fraction of a Tesla or a fraction of this company or that company, you can actually do that. Mm. And basically, when you open this app, all you see is teams. So women in charge.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: And then once you click into that theme, there is basically plenty of companies that is being run by women, mm. or maybe meat, meat, uh, meat lovers or something, yeah. and then there is, or maybe tech giants, or, 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 uh, or veggie lovers, you know, or vegans, <laughs> yeah. or, or couch surfers or something for <laughs> e-commerce, right? Or electric vehicles or tech giants or all these sort of um, themes, uh. mm. And what I can tell you is this, right? Right now, maybe in Southeast Asia. People are just starting to be on board in terms of investment and mm. investing. Mm. Okay, because interest rates are getting lower and correct, lower correct. globally and also regionally. Yes, and the people are looking like the millennials these days. They have got so much information and so much power in their in in their, their, their palm. palm in their mm. palm. Right, they would like to invest their pocket money into something that is trending yeah. or All even right? has a personal connection to their lifestyle. Yes, so maybe they say, I want to change the world Mm. and I believe that Tesla is a counter that I would like to um, invest in because Mm. I believe that they are changing the world one by one. Mm. So they just go into this app, they look into themes, okay, these are basically the theme that resonates well with me. You go into and click into it um, and the simplicity of the entire thing and for them, it's not really about valuation metrics anymore. Mm. It's about sentiment and what sort of like resonates with them and they'll just buy. The story. it's the story it's the theme <laughs> you know yeah. th- this is this is basically the flow that you're gonna be exposed to mm. and just think about it right right now in Southeast Asian um, how many Millennials how many millions of Millennials are there they're getting smarter and they would like to yeah, invest, oh of course. yes and let's say they would like to invest in a Tesla mm. in terms of let's just say how many hundreds thousands or even like a, uh, millions of people that would like to buy just one Tesla mm. how much flow is that gonna go is gonna be Give, given to Tesla, right? Yes. So this is why sometimes valuation, as much as it is important to actually really understand them, but it is not everything. La. It's not everything in investment these days. Understand? I can tell you, right? Um, you know, sometimes we we need to be flexible, in my opinion. Correct. We need to be diversified. Correct. We need to be balanced. We need to be flexible because times keeps changing. Yes. I mean, I can tell you, John, 30 years from now, 30 years from now, we will be having whiskey and we'll be saying, John, actually, uh, those days, uh, 20, 2020s are so easy to make money. <laughs> you know, like, can you imagine the valuation? Now we have to learn how to code. No, uh, no, no, no. How much valuation okay. is being given to this company and yeah. that company? Is it silly times these days? It yeah. is silly times. Yeah, yeah. But does that mean that um, you just want to be, you know, um, take a back seat and wait until everything tumbles yes. and wish that everything tumbles yes. before you actually goes in? I think that this... Um, a unique way of thinking, and maybe you are right. Mm. So maybe you might be not exposed to uh, an eventual downfall that mm. that or correction in the market that Co- will definitely happen one day, yeah. right? But you know, um, while you are in this particular market, if let's say this is the sort of investing or that you are comfortable with. Mm. Because everybody have different sort of like styles, styles and uh, financial well being, financial situation. So this is not for everyone, correct? Right? So, but if this is some something that you feel like you can resonate with, why not invest in all, in, in in these companies that um, is actually going to be good for for the future? Mm. Yeah, I mean, mm. here I am talking to you guys about Tesla, right? Um, I I mean you guys can see a video. Of me speaking to um, uh, Ming Tech's uh, session, mm. I think it was just before COVID, some, sometime around March last year. Okay. Okay. Um, and during that time, Tesla was just being valued at 100, mil, 100 billion. Mm. And I just told them, you know, um, I think Tesla should easily be valued at 1 trillion. Mm. And I gave them, in the next decade, I, I did give them, <laughs> in, in the, the next, next decade, decade, Tesla will pass 1 trillion yeah. uh, market valuation. But here I am. I'm I'm feeling stupid now because one and not <laughs> less than two years later, Tesla is already above one trillion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, am I? Do I still think that Tesla is uh, a buy? Hmm. I can say to you that I don't think Tesla is undervalued anymore, lah. Hmm, but hmm. can you still buy Tesla? I don't know do you guys guys invest in tesla at like 800 us dollars (laughs) right
2: yeah yeah i mean i mean it all depends on horizon so like how uh, if you're 80 then maybe go buy something else uh, yeah yeah if you're 18 well you can consider uh. actually i'll give
0: you my personal take on on tesla right Mm. rather than the company and the ecosystem is building uh uh my personal take on elon Musk. uh, actually I like reading biographies. I don't know whether MJ knows this, but I love reading biographies of Nelson Mandela and Manoanga. Mm. Entrepreneur biography, the one that really two guys that really struck me was Bob Iger and Elon Musk. And why? So when I first picked up the book, and I I hope the uh, listeners out there, if you if you haven't read this book about Elon Musk, uh, there's only one good book written about him. Please go uh, by Lance uh, Vance, something I can't mm. actually something right. What it really impressed me was this. I'm an engineer by training. Most engineers are. Uh, the moment you have an engineering problem, you go very tunnel vision, you will try to find the best technical solution for it. But the story that stood out to me was that instead of, he was an excellent businessman, an excellent engineer, first principles thinking, he actually went to start SpaceX, right? He actually flew to Russia to buy ICBMs, you know, intercontinental ballistic missiles. But instead of just saying that, oh, the technology is good, whatever, on the flight back, he was already crunching on an Excel spreadsheet. Mm. How much the cost? I said, this guy is freaking insane. You know, it's like new level, you know, most engineers, they will tell you what are the technical problems, are? how you're going to reject the rocket. Like this guy already this guy like, okay, the technical solution, I think I can figure it out. Here I am. Is it going to commercially make sense or not, right? Mm. That's the first one. The second one was I'm a controls engineer. My specialty 10 years was to design control systems. He said, okay, so I settled the rocket. How I'm going to send this and I'll control this right? <laughs> right? He went to check all the solutions: McDonnell Douglas or that kind of thing. He said, "You want to build the control system for the Johnson Space Center, whatever it was, in the hundreds of million. It was Boeing or McDonnell Douglas, right?" He said, "Can we buy off the shelf parts or not?" Mm. I, I was I haven't read the solution. I was like thinking this guy is insane. <laughs> this guy is going to buy a computer to control space? He did it ten million. Mm. So you you see right? You have this guy who is, to be to be honest, very phenomenal. Uh. And when you put this kind of quality management into any business or any of that one, right? You know they're gonna execute. You know they're gonna make commercial sense. It's not gonna do stupid things that, you know. Then you just, that that's my personal take. Uh. But mm. I'm thumping my chest uh, because there's something that I never bought. Uh. <laughs> it's like, I know this. I'm very convicted. But then again- in hindsight I, I i i think place too much emphasis on valuation for that point of time yeah
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. it's also about understanding the business looking at it beyond just being a car company correct, although correct. i think most of the revenue still stems from the car yeah they are trying to shift away trying to become an energy company yeah. so is it the next uh, you know um standard oil mm. who knows right who knows, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. um but yeah what what um I I, I how we, much damage, we, we wanted to talk about semicon and he talked about revaluation.
0: <laughs> so now back, can we bring back no, I, I, mean, right? I mean like semiconductors. Yeah.
1: semiconductors. Semiconductor like, in Malaysia. Yeah. yeah. So I think you know the the answer to that is basically what we've been speaking about in mm. the past, I don't know, a few 10, 10 to twenty minutes. Yeah. It's um Is it expensive? Yeah, it is expensive. Yeah. But um again in semiconductor, you you gotta take, I suppose, um the context mm. lah, right? Because Number one, um, as a matter of fact, it's not just semiconductor. Actually, it's the entire manufacturing sector in Malaysia. It's actually having a microeconomics tailwind because of the US-China trade war. Correct. A lot of actually, I mean, a lot of businesses are actually coming into this part of the world, right? So you're actually not just looking into the semiconductor. It's just um, everything from from consumer electronics to, um, uh, I mean- Digitalization of business, automotive. Automotive, you know, they they are, Basically, let's just put it into context that your UWCs, your Kobe... uh, Precision metal guys. Precision metal guys, they are all having tailwind because of um, the the macroeconomic US trade war, US-China trade war that we are facing in. Mm. So that is why they they are actually facing a a surgence in growth, a Mm. surgence in order. Mm. And a lot of people are looking at them and they would like to be a part of it. But do but, you think it's sustainable? Or not? That's yeah, the thing. So that's that's a that's a main key uh, problem, right? Mm. Like you need to be able to differentiate um, you know, the the, the 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 right businesses and uh, the wheat from the shaft basically. Mm, mm, mm. So there there are definitely businesses which is going to strive, but there are businesses which is because of the word precision engineering or metal mm. stamping <laughs> or I don't know what else there is. Then they get pushed because of the theme. Mm. so you need mm. to, to be able to understand what is good and what is not good. Mm. And I, I suppose that is where um, you know companies like Kobe companies like Genetec, mm. um, they start to surface out mm. um, because you know they' are just a beneficiary. Mm. Let me just maybe talk to you about Kobe first, mm. and then maybe we can touch on Genetech, mm. Um and yeah. So firstly on Kobe, right? I think what you mentioned just now about Kobe, uh, that is definitely an angle to play around um, that you can actually see between all the spreadsheets that Kobe is actually <laughs> a good business, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I would say that first, when I got to know the company, it was really, again, through Stockbit, actually, mm. all the companies that I am going to mention, I actually came across them through Stockbit. It mm. is, really the power of community, Mm. the power of healthy community. Mm, mm. Okay, because um, all the trade ideas comes from there. Mm. So first Kobe, you know, if it went limit up and limit up and then um, I think Shafiq came out and say that, you know, in terms of technicals, this is good. But I've always had Kobe in my watch list Mm, mm. because I realized that, you know, um, in UWC's prospectus, um, they put Kobe as one of the main Mm. competitors. And I know that there is a valuation gap there. Mm. Okay. There's a valuation gap because UWC is trading like crazy and Kobe is just trading at maybe uh, simple teens. Mm. Okay. And what happened, I also knew that Kobe recently won some uh, like BioBay, some pharmaceutical deal that is going to give them a a recurring income for the next three years, a Mm. guaranteed recurring income for the next three years. So when the first sort of like um, limit up and limit up happened and I look back into my notes and I thought, okay, this is actually not goreng, right? Because mm. as a matter of fact, it could be an indication that perhaps they could win some sort of uh, deals, um, or maybe there is going to be time for a valuation re-rating or mm. something like that. Mm. And somehow on that time, they just bought some land, okay, mm. from I think SS Steel or something like that. Mm. So it could be an indication that business are improving, yeah. okay. And I we know from uh, deep down that their valuation vis UWC is very very undervalued yep. so for me I just bought a trading position first mm, mm. okay and I, I suppose as time goes on and as more information came in you know there were the Rakuten briefing with Kobe and over there they did mention you know that they have got some new businesses in um, solar mm. uh, doing some solar frame and then you sort of okay then you understand that you know uh, their office and Lamb Research office is actually together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Then you're like, okay, so they could be a beneficiary of Lamb Research being in Penang. Asia, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you sort of build the position over time, and after that, we 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 had the opportunity to speak to um to the management, right? Correct. Correct. And I think during that time, the price was like about three or four something like that, and during the presentation, we were able to see that indeed they have a new customer. Correct. Right. In doing um, high-level assembly for uh, advanced data servers. Yes. So, as a matter of fact, um, if let's say you you really look into what what was presented, um, that that bloody thing that they are building right now, yeah. it looks like uh, it's got something to do with Bitcoin mining. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, if let's say you are looking for a proxy in, in Malaysia, that um, you know to 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 go into that particular space, Kobe may be the one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Um, so that's the story with Kobe. Lah. Um, it was a good trade. Um, but honestly, for me, I have sold off my Kobe at about around this price. Mm. Yeah. Um, next is, what, what's next? Genetec. Ah, Genetech. Okay.
0: <laughs> From yeah. 8
1: to what, 42 now? 40, 44, 46? Yeah. So Genotech is a special case, I would yeah. say. Because... Yeah. Um, Genotech, I have actually been trading it um, because, I mean, it was a trading stock at first until, um, I would say, more information came in. Okay. So, for Genotech, I think I bought at three, I saw at five, I bought at four again, I saw at five. Mm. Yeah, but it was just a small portion of trades Mm. um, to keep me alive. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, like, okay, on Genotech, something that I would like to share is, Mm. you guys always ask, right? I think you guys mentioned, ask me also in the first uh, interview, like, how do you get access to information, Mm, right? mm. I think for Genitech, the way I got access to my information is by stalking. Mm. Yeah, I'm actually a super stalker. (laughs) All right. And um, I don't know whether you guys um, did this or whether this could be like an exercise for people in the future. Mm. But, you know, in the beginning there has been whispered that Genetec is into EV. Mm. So I got interested into that because Mm. you know, whoever is going into EV, I'm interested. Mm, mm, mm. So what I did is I went to LinkedIn. I went to LinkedIn, I went to Genetec. Okay. And in Genetec, there's about 40 to 50 employees in Genetec. I go through one by one. I go through one by one, right? Mm. And then you are by that particular exercise alone, you can make an educated guess. Mm. You can see that the employees, always follow Elon Musk and Tesla, mm. always liking and always commenting. And then you're able to see the, the some, some of the profiles saying what are the sort of things that they have done, mm. some of the projects that they have developed and all that. And you can really make an educated guess. It's reading that. in between the lines. Actually. Reading between the lines, yeah. yeah. And that is, that is why from the very get-go, I always thought that Genetec have got something to do with EV and Tesla. Mm. And I can tell, making I can make an educated guess it's going to be something that has got to do with the battery automation system mm. as well as uh, e-mobility mm. just by stalking people. Mm. But again, it is all just rumours and whatever. Like it was just an, an educated guess. It was not until say later on when CIMB came out with a report, right? By that time, it was already seven. Yeah. Then you're sort of, okay, you know what? I think my guess is starting to be good. Mm. But I was just trading. I, I didn't even have position uh, or anything during- Just having like fun with time. the it was just position. Having, yeah. Yeah. But until the quarter one of last quarter uh, where they really came out with, you know, I think it was an 8 million profit. Mm. Then I know that this story have got meat. Mm. I know that the stuff have gone up from 1 to 20. Mm. Uh, I think that time it was 18 or 20 mm. after the quarterly uh, earnings. But I knew there and then this thing have got meat. So mm. I actually purchased my real investment po- position. position in Genetec after the quarter one result. 20 plus. Uh. Yeah. 20, 20 to 20 plus. yeah. Wow. And... But again- I cannot, 40, Yeah, yeah. 40, 46, I think. But again, you know- this And they're gonna bonus
2: uh, issue, right?
0: 1, yeah. to
1: 12, I think. Correct. Right. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is, you cannot just work all in la, for yeah. this sort of trade, right? Because you just don't have enough information. Correct. Like, you Correct. just have a, a small position yeah. over there. La. You yeah. position yourself accordingly yeah. and all that. I think I think. I want
0: to just emphasize on what you just said about position sizing and also probability. Because whatever we do, right? There's actually an article, interesting article that they talked about Genetec because they, they said, probable customer, possible. It's always, even the an analyst report, right? They put the word in a way is that it's, it's not telling you directly that Tesla is the customer, oh. or whatever, right? And a lot of investors, I think they think in, even including myself in the older days, right? You think in absolute terms. You don't think in probability, Yeah. meaning risk reward sizing. It's like, okay, so Rondi did this talking. He could be wrong because it doesn't have like, it doesn't spell out to you A, B, C, right? It's like in between roughly there. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's good that uh, you brought this up that only when you had that kind of information, only then you size it into an investment position.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, people always think that I'm crazy of going into positions when it's already up 100% or 400% or 500% up. Yeah. But sometimes, um, you know, you you go in as and uh, in accordance to your thesis. Hmm. La. And during that time, if let's say, uh, you know, if let's say I come in uh, when Genetec, you know, uh, it's it sort of like de-risk a lot of my sort of- Precisely. Yeah, um, yeah. Assumptions. Yes. And, um, you know, not, not a lot of people in Malaysia or, uh, yeah, not a lot of companies in Malaysia can say that have this client and that client. Correct. Right? right. And somehow we know that this particular client is, uh, you know, they, their bottleneck is in the battery EV cells. Correct. So, yeah. So the the TAM addressable market is just huge for this yeah. particular yes. company if yes. they are able to do it Execute, right. Execute. Yeah. Yeah. So that is why I I, I got into a position and and ride right along mm-hmm. I, I mean during that time, if let's say we analyze eight multiplied by four. Mm-hmm. And you know, multiply it by Genotex value, sorry, great tax valuation. Oh yeah. It was still gonna be making money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's my story with Genotech. And I think there is another story with um, Sam Engineering. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So that was it, a
2: sleeping for a long time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so the thing with SAM engineering is that this is basically a stock where proper value investors. Are rewarded and Correct. I have to salute them for staying I and being it was patient. I think
0: flat for how long? Easily well, five, yeah. six years, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, in in Stockbit, there is one person that is like an investor in Sam for throughout the entire crisis, wow. like the Entire COVID, you know, was trading at six, seven. It was like dead stock. Yeah. But for me, um, it, it gives me like an opportunity to put it into my watch list. Yeah. Because in my personal opinion, when I look into Sam Engineering, right. I think that they are one of the biggest and the best contract manufacturers in Malaysia. Mm. Okay, and it's just that they needed a small push in mm. terms of fund flows to mm. get things going. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean they were trading like their equipment divisions are trading at extremely sexy valuation, Like mm. If you if you're comparing it to even the likes of your Kobe and UWC Correct. and Correct. whatever uh, equipment manufacturers ATE there is in Malaysia, right? Mm. So. For me, it was just a matter of time. Mm. And um, yeah, so what happened then was that I went in during the first limit up. Mm. So the first limit up, it went to like, I think nine or 10. I cannot remember mm. for Sam, mm. right? And during the first limit up, I realized, okay, you know what? This is the time mm. that finally I put on my investment position. Mm. Because during that time, I mean, um, if I if I was just my, in my thesis, right? It's like, we just spread out the aerospace division and the equipment division. The equipment division, profit before tax or even profit after tax, it was going to be around six figures already. Okay. And if you multiply it with whatever valuations that is being given by its peers, it is really up there. Hmm. And the the, the thing is, right, um, just now in Kobe, I mentioned that um, there was an interview done by Rakuten. Even in the interview, the Kobe person was mentioning that we are not as big as Sam. <laughs> During that time, yeah. I look into the valuation of Kobe and the valuation of Sam, Sam. It was almost equal. Yeah. So so what do I do? Sell sell sell, sell, sell Kobe, Kobe and buy by Sam. Sam. <laughs> Wack right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, and that was basically my first investment position, yeah. um, and it has been doing pretty okay since mm. then. Because Sam Engineering, uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, look, all these contract manufacturers. At the end of the day, what matters is their end client who are their end correct, clients correct right? Right. Um, they, they, they boom or shine because of the end clients actually you know? yeah I mean the EMS guys in Johor they used to have Dyson and mm. they write very well on that yeah but right now in the, some of the Penang boys you know they have got front end semiconductor names equipment yes. makers yes so um, like for instance Kobe sorry uh, uh, Kobe lah Kobe with LAM la. LAM is still small yeah but maybe like your UWC I think it was with Agilent mm-hmm. right um But with Sam, you have like applied materials, you know, all these like big front-end semiconductor things. And how many companies in Malaysia can say that my customers are front-end semiconductors? Correct, correct. It's not a lot, right? So so they they are definitely doing something right, and their specialty is definitely gonna be one of the better ones. Mm, So mm. which is why I I position myself in SAM engineering for that matter. Mm, mm. And even right now, it is, I don't know what's the price today, but I I think above 20. I still think if let's say I would like to compare buying this or buying that or buying you know some of the other companies, I still think that Sam is still a, a, a good buy because, I mean they they still have they have an optionality out of their aerospace division exactly, and that that is sleeping right now
0: because of exactly. uh, yeah. COVID. Sleeping. Yeah, Sam is twenty two today. Yeah, twenty two. Actually, the market is green. <laughs> Yesterday no, totally. it was yeah. all red. <laughs> <laughs> i you know i hardly checked my the 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 market and yesterday because of budget i had to check right we were doing a video on the budget it was like klc you know we had uh so interesting ronnie we every saturday night our research team actually meets Mm. and then uh one of the guys said just imagine the amount of market cap that we wiped out because of the negative sentiment and today it's like my god it's the whole screen is green ronnie i can show you is it yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like Okay, I've got, uh, let me see. Uh, it's so, so funny. Uh, chem- chemical guys are uh, up. Uh, QS, Tawin, Hibiscus. Everything is up. <laughs> la. <laughs> Not really, it's in the green. Everything is green. it's oh. So yeah. good. I mean, in a way, it's markets are being a little bit more efficient. Uh. Little bit
3: more.
1: Yeah, but I mean, again, okay. uh, coming back to the entire valuation equation, yeah. everybody needs to understand that yes, um, Malaysian tech manufacturing, Malaysian tech stocks, they are mahala expensive. Mahal, yeah. Memang, yeah. but uh, there are reasons on why they are expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think you know we in Stockbit we did that particular infographics. Oh so yes, yes, uh, I, I remember that the, one. The multi baggers in the past five years and yeah. all that. If you look into all, uh, I don't know, I think ten stocks. I think nine of them are basically semicom. We we both we yeah. start on Vitros. Yeah. We did so
0: much study in Vitros. Well, <laughs> no, what PE fifty five mahal. Twenty nine or the time it, we
2: were twenty nine. Like, yeah. yeah, And it's just,
1: yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it makes sense, right? Because yeah. these are the uh, the guys that have got, uh, I mean, one of the one of the bigger times Correct, la, Total the market. Correct, right? correct. And they're well run. They are now a, a very important cork in the machine of the entire semiconductor correct. supply chain. Correct. And yeah, I mean, lastly, uh, coming back to Dato Sri Cha, yeah. you know, they have got that particular PE rating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. the question is, if let's say you want to complain about it is being expensive, then maybe what we need to do is coming back again to the very front of our discussion. Maybe Bursa should do something about it and, you know, come up with a single stock futures of, of this particular oh, yeah? tech stocks. Yes, maybe yes. then those people that believe they are not uh, supposedly to be such high valued they can shut the stock and then we'll see what is the efficient market <laughs> actually uh, to be honest I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up because
0: do you realize the amount of instruments we have in malaysia versus mm. that of even india i'm pretty sure the indian futures market is very very vibrant right yeah yeah why do you think that that's so i mean just personal opinion
1: i think it's financial literacy lah okay investment yeah. literacy more like it right yeah, financial yeah. investment literacy okay right. okay okay
2: so, um, yeah, I I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little bit hungry. Yeah, yeah same. Yeah.
1: Hungry.
2: <laughs> I want bring, we want to bring Rondi yeah, to this and and uh, nice place. Yeah, any, any last words, you know, before we, we got... We, people already know where to find you, so we're not going to say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... You oh, can. okay, maybe, <laughs> I'll,
2: maybe I'll, I'll sharpen a question. So we are coming to the end of 2021. Yeah. What are your top top lessons so far? Yeah. That think you want to share question. that you learned this year? Top lessons? Uh,
1: um... Mm.
0: maybe you think back about the webinars they've conducted the management that you have seen
2: yeah and, and, and so you know, much learning uh, to be yeah. honest even if you have like personal
1: uh, learnings uh, you know yeah. yeah i mean i'm not perfect like honestly yeah. uh this year um i have made mistakes right like um i'm very stubborn and i still be in, i'm still invested in gloves mm. although you know it has come down a lot Uh, but that is the beauty of I suppose diversification right like um, from the very get go I mentioned that um, my portfolio sizing uh, 10% will be invested in gloves and it just to me it makes sense uh, to be invested in gloves and still right now I still think that it it makes even more sense to be invested in gloves Mm. rubber gloves in Malaysia Mm. Um, so diversification is definitely one thing and I would say that um, you know just, just keep learning you know and It is difficult enough to pick a stock but um, the the key takeaways or rather the learning curve that you get from just researching a stock Mm -hmm. can actually uh, bode well for your future uh, thought processes when you're going to look into future stocks. Oh yes, yes. Absolutely. um, Yeah, maybe just one last um, maybe like stock which I would like to touch on and I think this one uh, it has got something to do with stock bait. it has got something to do with things that I have learned along the way mm-hmm. and finally it becomes um, a very good return right it's basically this stock called uh, PMB Tech yeah mm. yeah. so like uh, in terms of PMB Tech it is not my idea again this is coming from stock from a user called Tapdance okay mm. um, it is his idea he's mm. been he's been telling the story since last year December so kudos to him right mm. <laughs> um be surrounded with good community, mm. a good healthy community. Mm. You know, always always do that. Um, listen to FIRL's podcasts, um <laughs> because uh, you guys provide quality contents. Mm. But yeah, coming back to like this PMB tech, um if let's say for instance, we have not I have not uh, listened to or maybe tuned in to some of the other conversations or maybe read some reports from say, Press Metal reports mm. or, or or stuff like that, right? Um, or tune into maybe like a uh, uh, commodity-backed uh, management talks. Mm. I might not be investing in PMB tech. Correct. Yeah. Because so, it helps you build that
0: mental model to be ready when the inf- yeah. that
1: information is presented to you. Is Correct, it? because in my mind, Commodities are always going to be very, very volatile. I remember when you were discussing OMH, you were like, "Yeah, "Ah,
0: commodity, right? But then that actually helped you build the mental model
1: for you. Correct. Because of OMH, I actually buy more PMB tech. (laughs) Uh, So it's, it's, I mean, for those who doesn't know PMB tech is basically uh, they... They do um, silicon metal mm. and i think you need to first understand silicon metal how what is the usage of silicon metal and mm. how sustainable it's gonna be mm-hmm. in terms of higher prices in the future okay and so pmb tech is run by the press metal brothers yeah. so mm. that's okay. another clue so right? that's again yeah. <laughs> another plus point already yeah and you just need to understand the economics law you you know that for instance they um they they produce like 70,000 metric tons of silicon metal per, per, per annum. And mm. then you sort of like, you can take 70,000 metric tons, multiply by an average... Um, Growth rate or something. No, average selling price I see. of silicon metal. And then you just multiply by some operating uh, margin. And you can get basically what is going to be a profit margin, say for the year of 2022. Mm. And you compare that into basically... Um, the current market cap and mm. see whether or not it is make it makes sense to be investing in this particular particular mm. company. Mm. Yeah. So just for your info, like um, I think RHB in their reports, um, while covering on press metal, they they saw the optionality that press metal have in terms of their position in PMB Tech. Mm. And if let's say you you take whatever their particular uh, predicted income for PNB tech against their current market cap valuation, it's like 3X, Mm. 3X PE for Mm. 2022. Mm. that will be very interesting to watch man. So um, yeah, I mean, again, main key takeaways, surround yourself with the right community, Um, always learn and, you know, just just be a, just have a flexible mindset Mm. and have a flexible way of thinking and have a diverse portfolio. Um, understand what is your financial goal first, and build around build build your investment portfolio and investment style in and around that particular financial goal. Mm. Yeah, I think that's where I would say is uh, important. Okay, with that, I think that's a
2: great end to our podcast. And uh, you know, guys, you can uh, if you love this whole content, you okay. can uh, please share it with your friends, um, and you know, go check out Stockbit. I think that's <laughs> one of the best uh, yeah, communities community. out there. Yeah that's right and yeah if you uh, remember give it a like subscribe me the usual stuff and uh, you can check us on Spotify
3: and let's have lunch that's right let's go thanks everyone thank you Randy thanks